This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 221, which is airing in early November of 2021. We are going to be talking about how to take a layered approach to childcare. One of the most common questions we get at Best of Both Worlds is, you know, what sort of childcare should I have? You know, what do I do for backup? You know, what would make sense for my work situation, which is somehow atypical. And so we want to just talk a little bit about our philosophy of, of making that work. Now, Sarah has something of a layered approach right now, even though her children are all in what apparently, you know, what could be considered full-time school, because as she has discovered, full-time school is not actually full-time childcare. Take it from yeah. there, Sarah. <laughs> and you mentioned getting the question of like what to do for childcare. I do get the question fairly often, like, oh, now that your kids are in school, aren't you going to do something different with your childcare? You know, there are times when I admit I get a little bit tempted because it is quite an investment. But every time I even start to think about it, which quite honestly, 
I haven't really gotten to the point of thinking seriously about it. But when I start to meander into thinking about it, then a kid gets runny nose or a kid has an emergency dental incident or there's a holiday that week that the school has off that I don't have off or there's a teacher work day, which we have this week. In fact, this week we had like three of these. <laughs> we had we had a dental appointment that I couldn't get to. We had a kid with a runny nose and we have a teacher work day. So like, I don't think this week is unique. I think these types of weeks come up so often that it's almost like I would be constantly cobbling things together. And often when you're cobbling, that can make things even more pricey because you're sort of working in an emergency type market. Plus, I would lose, I would just lose the peace of mind that I number one, always have childcare. And number two, currently have my childcare help with some other things since there is on some days time to do so. So yes, agree. Have you had any normal weeks of school <laughs> so well, far? I mean, the kids have been in school, but there's just always something, you know, whether a kid gets sick or, you know, we've we've had a few days that our, our nanny has needed to take off for various things. Um, and so then we have to have backup for Henry, for instance, unless, you know, we're able to cover it. And for I'm covering Henry tomorrow for some of the day, but we had a backup situation for him today. And so that's just you know, what you have to do. I mean, basically with childcare. And so, well, these are the things nobody tells you when you're going into the market for it originally is that every single approach is going to have days when it is not available. Like every approach is not going to cover all the hours that you might need coverage, even if that's not regular coverage. It's just that you might need it some additional hours sometime. So if you are a two career family, or you are a single parent um, who is working for pay, you are going to need a layered approach until the kids are old enough to care for themselves. And the layers need to be more robust as things become more complex. So as you add in travel for one or both of you, as you add in any unexpected late nights or weekend shifts for both of you, if parents have to absolutely work on site, right? If there's no option for remote work, that means the layers need to be more robust. If you have multiple young kids, because then that limits how many hours somebody can work um, without burning out, basically. So, you know, all of these are going to require more layers. And so people are always like, oh, well, what form of childcare should I choose? It's like, no, no, not one. <laughs> not one. You need more than one. And figuring out what, you know, the first primary option is, but then also what your secondary option is and how often you need it and, you know, on what level of, you know, availability it's going to have is, is a complicated question for many people. So, you know, we, we thought we'd talk about a few ideas of how this could work for different families and, you know, brainstorming. Like, these are hypothetical families, but they kind of match up with what we have gotten in letters from people in the past. So let's do our caveat. Sarah, you want to give our caveat? <laughs> I like your caveat. Well, okay. I had a couple. Well, I also wanted to add one other okay, thing, you add one which other. is that sometimes you want to tell yourself the story that like, oh, you know, if my kid gets sick, like it'll be fine. Like, you know, most days aren't that important that I be at work. I get tempted into that line of thinking sometimes when I'm thinking about nebulous time in the future. 
And yet when the day approaches and it's like, oh my God, I have 15 patients scheduled and it would mean canceling on 15 patients or I have like a meeting with the CMO of our health system that like would be mortifying. To, like there's all like, I, I think I wrote on a blog post, like it's either a bad time or a worse time. <laughs> like, to lose your childcare, like it's never you're never going to be like oh well it's okay like i mean maybe not never what a but perfect first day to not have childcare. <laughs> i was hoping to just curl up and you know watch movies with my runny nose toddler all day i mean it does not sound terrible but like there's always going to be stuff going on so i think that you do have to be very realistic i mean if you and your partner both have extremely flexible careers and you can work out a thing where like each parent is fully on call and you like have a schedule and like you really truly, but I don't think there's that many careers that are like that. And certainly not that many families where both people are that flexible where it wouldn't be. Yeah. It also depends on the age of the kids too. So if all of your kids are like sort of in school age, like over six years old and so could be reliably distracted during a important call with Minecraft for an hour, like chances are that they would not actually interrupt you for it then you potentially could have the layers be, you know, some primary system for the kids. But then the secondary is the two of you could work from home and could alternate. You know, like Monday and Tuesday is always one parent. Wednesday and Thursday is always the other parent. So if something comes up, you know, and it you can see how this would lead to occasional problems because what if party A is traveling on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that? So, you know, you would have to rework it as time goes on. But theoretically, it could, in fact, work. But again, as you have younger kids, then that becomes harder to do because, you know, there's very little you can do with a two-year-old to reliably keep them away from you while you're trying to do a call, even if you are, in fact, working from home. And I would just add here that uh, if you have very long hours, I have had conversations with people and they're like, why do I keep losing my childcare? My nannies keep quitting. And it's like, well, they're expecting them to work 60 hours a week with like an infant and a three-year-old. And it's like, they have no break. I mean, they're on constantly. And so that's why people are quitting. And so if you are in that situation, you need significantly more than 40 hours, you probably need more than one person. So that's your layer as well. All right. So our caveat, as I go on, is that all of these families are probably not normal (laughs) families in the sense that when you have any options for childcare, that puts you in a rather privileged place. I know a great many people do not have many options at all. And so we want to acknowledge that. But on the other hand, we are trying to be of service to the core of our listeners, which, as we see from the letters we get, tend to be people who do have options and are trying to figure out which option would best support both them and their partner as they try to build their careers while raising a young family. And I would also like to stress that, again, as we said, Some people think that if you have option, whatever, let's say a full-time nanny, that you have no problems ever whatsoever. But, you know, you can have very reliable childcare, but if somebody is a mortal human being, like stuff happens, that people get sick, they have family emergencies, their car breaks down, whatever it is. And so you might still need another option in the back of your mind, even if you don't need it all that often. All right. So Sarah. Yeah, I mean, I can speak for that personally because our nanny is extremely, extremely reliable. She has worked for our family, been employed by us for over eight years now. And we've still run into issues where by no fault of anyone, we just need something else as well because there's just 
you know, someone gets very sick or there's a funeral or something big happens in somebody's life and you can't control every single variable. Plus people do need to take vacations and that's very important. And I think making sure that people can get appropriate time off is probably the key to making sure your relationship can be healthy for eight years or more. All right. So couple one, somewhat similar to uh, one of our hosts here, two physicians, two preschool aged kids, let's say age three and four, Clinic occasionally runs long, but within a range, and there is call for some weekend and night hours. Sarah, what would you suggest? Yeah, this one's definitely for me, right? <laughs> well, the first thing I would suggest is that those physicians, if their kids are that age, consider taking their call at the same time with childcare if that's possible, because I do have friends in the situation who are, you know, and did it myself, who stagger their call and then never see each other. And I think um, I figured out early on that that was not ideal. So that's one thing to think about figuring out if you can do that. I agree that this would be a scenario where layered is a must. I mean, this was kind of like Josh and me when we just had Annabelle and Cameron and they were little. And in our case, what worked really well was to have daycare or school available, plus some backup sitters. And at that time, we happened to live near family and that was an option and a nanny. So that, you know, having kind of multiple layers in place and having a preschool option for your like two plus year old to allow them to a get that stimulation. I mean, yes, the downside is they're going to bring home more germs, but there are upsides as well. And to make sure you are not burning out your nanny and to have a backup in case something goes wrong, because it's one thing to ask your family member to care for one child. And it's, it's a bigger ask to care for like a baby and a toddler. So that is what we did. And that is probably what most people would need in that situation. And I do think, you know, we don't really, we haven't gotten help from family in a long time because we moved a lot farther as well. But for those that can swing it, that may be a theme to at least think about if it's an option, because in certain scenarios, that's a wonderful layer of backup and has other benefits of having your kids be close to older family members. Yeah, especially having the preschool plus full-time nanny option, it gives you some more coverage for those evening hours. But then if, you know, the preschool is not available on a day, your full-time child might be able to come earlier because that is their full-time job. So presumably there might be some flexibility to that. But then if your full-time nanny was not available, somebody as a backup could pick your kids up from preschool, let's say, you know, one or two o'clock whenever they're done with it. And and that's a smaller number of hours you're having to find coverage for. Let's say it's two to six or, you know, even noon to six is just more doable than finding necessarily a whole day of care. So that's what we would recommend for that couple. And I think we need to take a quick break before our next one. So stay tuned. All right. Well, we are back talking about childcare, a layered approach, various types of childcare we might recommend for different families in different scenarios. So couple two is a high school principal plus lawyer. So this couple has one toddler. Now, the things to think about here, lawyers tend to work longer hours, but they often are slightly more set hours for many of them. A high school principal starts very early. On the other hand, you know, they theoretically could be done early, but there's probably lots of 
occasional evening events that they're going to have to show up for dealing with the community and things like that. So what would we recommend for them? So there's no one right answer. You know, we haven't mentioned au pair yet, although I think we were going to think about it in a future answer. But if this people had extra room and wanted that flexibility, that might be helpful because anytime you have an early starter, you might need extra help in the morning and having someone that's actually living in your household could provide that. Now, there are rules. We always give this caveat with au pairs about providing overnight care. Often you're not allowed to do that, but there's certainly no rule that they can't get up with the kids in the morning and help with breakfast and getting ready for school. And if you have a high school principal rushing out the door at 7 a.m. and another parent that, I don't know, sometimes has to catch up on work or takes a call in a different time zone in the morning, it might be nice to have another set of hands. I also will have to say that this sounds a little bit like my sister-in-law and brother-in-law because they're a lawyer-teacher combo. She was a guest on the show. That's Miss Rachel Unger. Anyway, so their solution at the time, I think, was to use daycare and also rely on family as they lived right nearby. Yeah, I would suggest the daycare plus au pair option for this family. And the reason being that with one toddler and you need full-time care for that, you're going to run up into the hour limit with an au pair. 45 hours max a week, you're going to hit that with this family. Um, Since it's a toddler and they're always there, there's like you need full-time coverage. It's not like they're in school. So how can you approximate the school? Well, you can put them in at least a part-time daycare. And so if you were able to find a relatively affordable daycare solution, the au pair solution can also be relatively affordable too. In general, because there is a cultural element to it that people are coming to the U.S., it tends not to be quite as expensive as the full-time salary of a professional nanny. And since this family is already dealing with teenagers all the time as part of the high school principal aspect, they may have a higher tolerance for like 20-year-olds than many other people might. So uh, that's that's something I would suggest for, for this family. And then obviously, if the daycare didn't work out on some day, if the child was sick and couldn't go, then the au pair would be available to care for them on that day for at least some number of hours. And then hopefully the family could, you know, shift on either side their work hours to care for the kid as well on those days. All right, couple three. This is a consultant who has a fairly intense travel schedule plus a tech company project manager. They have three elementary school-aged kids who are five, seven, and nine. I'm feeling full-time nanny on this one. All right. Just because of the possible need for overnight help at times, plus minus living near family as well. If they can, you can sense a theme. Again, this is not something that really applies to us, even though we do live somewhat near family. But I do know when I speak to others, that's often part of the story of what makes things work. So I don't want to leave it out here. But the fact that they may need frequent overnight coverage, I mean, their kids are in school most of the time. I also would probably add in a trusted like aftercare. Like, so for example, the gymnastics gym my kids go to, they have a ton of additional like aftercare type stuff where they offer gymnastics programming and other stuff. They need to find some like activities or, you know, it could be an after school program, but even better if it's not affiliated with the school so that if there's like a teacher work day or something like that, I mean, I guess they have their nanny as well. But sometimes having an activity or two like that where you know you have that option, I know it's helped us and this, this family sounds like they got a lot going on and a lot of kids. So having some community option in addition to their nanny and then school would probably 
be a nice combo. Yeah, this is another family that might need, you know, the full-time nanny, even though they have school available. Because if one person has to go to work and the other is like off in California and, you know, it's the backup is just, you know, if a child is out of school for some reason or, you know, there's a half day, they're going to need the full-time coverage. Some people in this situation say once they're all in school, they do go with the au pair option because they think they would like the flexibility of the morning and the afternoon. So again, that's another option that can work with that. But as as Sarah has found, the uh, full-time nanny, even though all your kids are in school, can work well with that too. I think this is a family that would need to, you know, not try to skimp on that. Because when one parent is gone a lot, it can be really hard on the other person to continue their career unless they have, you know, full layers of coverage there. Um, And then we wanted to try a single parent family. Um, So let's say we've got a mom and a nine and 11 year old. So this family most likely needs driving help. Mom works full time in a corporate manager role. She can't leave the kids home alone all day, right? So if they're homesick from school, she can't just like, you know, leave them there from 730 to 530. But on the other hand, they could be home for a few hours by themselves, the nine and the 11-year-old. Sarah, what would you suggest for that? So I know a family kind of like this pretty well. And what they have done that's worked pretty well is what I mentioned about kind of having activities where there's aftercare included. So they're, they're involved in a number of those. And then honestly, this person has done a wonderful job just creating a huge village of friends. And I think that if you do put effort in that, which might mean that she's often having other people's kids over at other times, this person is very social. So I think it works really, really well for her. And she also does, I think, strategically live near her family as well, who help her on occasion, I think, when everything else falls through. But she has so many other layers that even though she doesn't have her own nanny or au pair, she's actually able to make it work really well. Yeah, it, it can work really well. And again, the the living near family, we keep saying this, but for many people, that is a pretty good backup option, that they're not going to provide full-time care But the peace of mind you have knowing that, say, a grandma or an aunt or your cousins are occasionally available if you did need them allows you to not have to have a paid solution that is going to be hard to maintain. Because because that's the issue is like when you have multiple layers, then you have to think about the logistics of the multiple layers. And it could get pretty hard. You know, when we were doing daycare, when Jasper was little we wound up with, you know, it was like five backup sitters at one point, but they were never all available, right? It's like I would find somebody and they'd work for a while and do some nights and then something would happen. They'd move on and, you know, I'd try and find someone else. And so it's like, you know, I have five people on the roster, but, you know, whether any given person is going to be available to work and especially on short notice can be really challenging to make work. So what if you're over the time, you know, you've had different situations, Sarah, you've, you've done daycare for a while too. Yeah. I mean, when we were residents financially, there wasn't really another option available to us at the time. And I don't think an au pair would have covered enough hours, even if we could have swung that, which maybe is similar to the cost of a year of full-time daycare. But um, yeah, that, I don't think that would have worked hours wise. So yeah, we did the Duke daycare. We loved it. It was when we had one kid 
It was a great experience. The, the, the secret is that a hospital-affiliated daycare probably has longer hours, so we definitely say, benefited. How work? Because from what I understand of, like, residency hours, it would have been well, difficult to get... Oh, you are I a fellow. I wasn't a resident. Okay. If I had been a resident, we would have had to take out loans and get more types of coverage because... What do your residents do now? <laughs> they... Date combination of daycare. Not all of them have physician partners, so that's always <laughs> easier if your if your partner is more flexible. Some of them specifically chose our program so they could be closer to family. So that was a strategic option for them. Yeah, so a combination of things. And honestly, you know, I have residents with little babies, so I think they're all kind of learning. It's where I don't have resident. I have I've, and I've had residents with like older kids. But the next couple of years will be interesting to see what they do. And as we hopefully, you know, multiply our, the babies in our residency family, I bet there'll be more. Yeah. I mean, so we've had a you know bunch of different things over the years. Um, you know, we've for the past 12 years, we've always had a full time nanny, but different ones have been available for different number of hours per week, um, often as a personal preference. And when that's less then we've wound up hiring part-time sitters as well. So for a while, we had one person, a full-time nanny, who worked eight to six, Monday to Thursday, because she decided that she needed to limit it to 40 hours, and she was wonderful, and we loved her, so we said we would make that work. And so we wound up hiring a person for Fridays. So that person would work you know, 10 to 12 hours per week. So that was one full-time and one part-time. And then the upside of having the part-time is then you have a regular sitter option too. you know, if the person ever wants to work extra hours in the, you know, evenings or weekends, then they are available. You know, we had for a while when Ruth was in preschool and the boys were in full-time school that we had our full-time nanny generally start on at noon on the day she was in preschool, right? So we had the layered approach of school and preschool plus the full-time nanny to get some evening hours. We have had a situation where we, you know, needed some overnight coverage and needed more, you know, than one night. And so what we've had is had a backup sitter come in the evening. So, you know, to provide, I guess, respite (laughs) for the person who was staying overnight so that they could go off and do their own thing for a few hours and then trade off again. And so no one person was on 24-7 for multiple days in a row which can get really tough with young kids. I mean, I've done it, but I'm their mom. So it's a different different sort of thing. And, you know, right now, currently, we actually, you know, I have, we have our full-time nanny and the four big kids are in school. We have a family friend who will occasionally take our baby if we need coverage for him. But then we need to be around for the other big kids. But that's mostly worked because Michael has been working from home for the past 18 months. So between the two of us, you know, even if one of us had, you know, like I'm giving a virtual speech or something, he might be available to, you know, pick up a kid or deal with, you know, Alex when he gets home or vice versa. If he has to run into the office for the day, then I'm here and I can be, you know, decide to not do anything after four o'clock if I have to deal with the kids, the older kids, for instance. So you know, one way or another, you make it work. But it definitely helps to have two parties able to work from home versus one. I can say that that is a silver lining of the pandemic, for sure. <laughs> that is awesome. No, we, we have our full-time nanny still, and then the kids are obviously in school. And I don't see us changing things up anytime soon. I mean, the more, again, every time I even think about it, stuff happens, and then the activities kind of 
our lot to, and I need another driver and my husband's never going to be home. So it's, I mean, you know, sometimes he's home, but I can't rely on him being home at a given time, really on any specific day. So we need it. There you go. All right. Well, let's move to our question. This listener is uh, a software engineer, which is an industry that she feels suffers from sexism and ageism, though her particular organization is much better because that's why she chose it. (laughs) But anyway, she says she is a bit older than her peers and didn't bother to tell anyone her real age. She started work as a fresh PhD grad and actually looks quite a bit younger than she is. (laughs) Let's say is what she what she's telling us here. So people think she's younger than she is. Her dilemma. She thinks. What? She thinks. She thinks. <laughs> she thinks. I guess she hasn't taken a poll of her office. Like, how old do you think I am, people? However, so she has, you know, made a decision years ago to start dyeing her hair. She says, I don't think I can keep doing this, however, forever, because as she has hit 40, she has noticed the white strands have come in faster and faster. Her hair is very, very dark, so great hair, gray hairs are quite noticeable, and the low-maintenance highlight and low-light techniques don't seem to work for her. She feels like her scalp is becoming more sensitive as she's dumping the black dye on it daily or whatever it is she's doing to hide the grays. So she asks us, am I being overly concerned about ageism? Should she just surrender and go gray or partly gray or whatever? She's worried about the professional consequences. Um, Is there any tip to keep it easy and less damaging? There's some trend of embracing gray, she says, but people tend to talk about beauty and nature and not about the professional cost. So what what do we suggest she does? So Sarah, you don't actually dye your hair, do you? I have never, I love this question. I like have been pondering because I just think it's so interesting. And I I have myself, so you know, I've never dyed my hair. I don't have very much gray. I mean, like I can find some grays, but, and in this light, but no, it's really, there's not that much gray and certainly like not like obvious streaks or anything. People often assume that I dye my hair because it's kind of an odd color. And I feel like it's a color. Some people dye their hair. So I actually, I brought this question to my manager. I was, I mean, not the whole question, but I was like, Hey, do you think that like, if my hair starts to go gray, I should dye it because it would like hurt me professionally. And he's like, he's like, first of all, how old are you? And second of all, don't you dye your hair? And I'm like, no, I don't dye my hair. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, come to think of it. I've never seen your hair growing in any different colors. (laughs) That makes sense. And then I was like, hey, but you know, like all the other doctors we work with, like, I mean, not to like throw anyone under the bus, but like most people do not have their natural hair color that I work with and, and some are older. So he's like, oh, you're right. So he wasn't really able to answer me, although it was also kind of funny because he's like, you're 41. So my, that's partly why I'm like, I don't, who knows how old the people think she is. Like she thinks they think she's younger, but maybe they know people tend to figure that kind of thing out. Cultural references. I don't know. Who knows? But my other thought is, this is such an interesting question. He also said to me, he was like, this doctor doesn't dye their hair. I'm like, that's a man. I'm like, that is totally different. <laughs> Yeah, because men can age gracefully and it's harder for us. I don't know the answer. I mean, part of me feels like she should just go gray and she can always like re-dye it or like maybe she'll find out that so much of her hair is gray that she could dye it blonde with like much gentler washes or something. So I don't know. I don't know much about blonde hair (laughs) from I think her hair was black as part of, you know, her 
She's of an oh, ethnicity yeah. that okay, it would okay, not okay. really work to go blonde. You know what I'm saying? So I don't could know. Be, could be edgy. No, could be edgy. <laughs> That's true. It would be very, I, I think people, hmm. you know, it's a, it's a very interesting question. I do dye my hair and I, however, I've been doing it since I was 15. So it's not because I was getting gray hairs. It's just that I wanted to have blonde hair like I had when I was a kid. And I probably have some grays, but I don't know that I have that many. I probably, I have some, but I don't know. Like, I don't know how many because it doesn't show up that much. And people do, as you said, dye their hair blonde because that is what you can hide gray with. I think it would be harder to dye your hair other colors to hide gray with as you go on. So, This is a tough question. I guess if she thinks her organization is more open than a lot of others, it might be worth having a conversation with a really good stylist and seeing if there's a way that she could have some sort of hybrid hair, you know, that that has maybe some element of of gray in it and then some element of the black hair in it and, and see if there was a way that this could be done with like a really awesome cut that would would look, you know, fresh and modern and not so much about the gray as just being very interesting and sophisticated. And and then maybe that's an option. I would I would suggest also looking through, you know, magazines, uh, any, you know, files of photos places to see if there are examples of people who have some amount of gray that is blended into their hair in a way that looks professional and chic and all that good stuff. And then she could sort of have that hybrid for a while and see how it goes and see if that is easier to maintain when it's not her whole head having to be dyed so frequently. And then as time goes on, she might, you know, switch it over more to the gray as people get accustomed to it and, you know, realize that it's still her, you know, and that she's still doing as great work as she was. But as you can see from Sarah and I hemming and hawing about this, we don't know. Like, we don't know the answer to this question. So I would love to hear from people in industries that have something of a youth focus, like the tech industry does, ones that tend to be more male-dominated, again, like the tech industry tends to do, what you've done about dyeing your hair and going gray and how you have approached that. Um, if you have decided to just say, hey, I am who I am. My hair is what it is. I don't want to spend the time on it. And everyone can just accept me. If you have found some sort of hybrid solution, or if you are doing the high maintenance one where you are dying it frequently to, to keep that youthful look. So please let us know. And we will we will report back. I kind of think I'm I'm going to try to just not start to dye my hair because I feel like once you start, it's just that slippery slope. And I already straighten it. And that's already a pain in the butt. And like, I just, I don't like the idea of like dyeing it. And then at one point having to have this like gray line grow in, like, I think I'd rather just gradually have my hair get more mixed. <laughs> Could work. I don't know. I know this question wasn't about me, but obviously but it's, it certainly it, yeah. was food for thought. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, let us know. You can write to us. Um, let us know what our listeners should do. We are, uh, you know, real quick, we'll do our love of the week. I'm going to go with my hair dye. You know, L'Oreal Preference 9.5A, uh, lightest ash blonde. I make the little streaks. I do my hair dyeing myself, so it's actually quite cheap. doesn't take too much time either because I can do it whenever I want as opposed to having to get an appointment at a salon. So 
throw that out there as an idea, but it's it's hard for many people to do because you have to master certain like highlighting techniques. But if you practice on your own hair since you're 15, <laughs> turns out you can you can learn. Uh, Sarah, how about you? My love of the week is buying baby gifts because even though I don't need to buy baby stuff for myself, I just get so much joy every time someone has a baby and I get to shop the little tiny clothing. So I just bought a set of tiny Ugg boots with a matching blanket for someone. And it's just the cutest thing. (laughs) Cute. I hope the baby gets to wear them (laughs) before they grow out of them. They always grow out so fast of everything. It's a problem with baby gear. All right. Well, we've been talking the layered approach to childcare and also about whether to let your hair go gray. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.